0: I like how uh, Linda said, uh, Steve Graham Graham and Bruce Monk will be good to bring friends to, but not this one. This is going to be terrible. That's (laughs) fine. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Let the podcast show there was no objection. (laughs) Awesome. Welcome, everyone. It's me again. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Lovely. Let the podcast show that people clapped. <laughs> awesome. All <laughs> right. So um, my, actually, I wanted to, I just wanted to start with a quick testimony because we were like, me and Becca were laughing about this morning. My shower was being really annoying whilst I was away at Brave Age. Turned it on. I, pr- I looked at it this morning. I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm preaching there. I really need a shower. I started working. Praise Jesus. I don't know who that's going to bless gonna. <laughs> I just I threw it out there because the, uh, I preached a couple months ago and I talked about how my fridge broke and it was really annoying and someone spoke to me about how, you know what, that really blessed them because they had a problem within their house that week and God fixed it. So I just thought, you know what, anyone who's blessed by my broken shower now working, God bless you. Awesome. All <laughs> right, so my title today is Eyes on the Prize. Becca and I were debating the title of this preach this morning, but um, we finally settled on Eyes on the Prize. And, uh... <laughs> Trying to write this preach was a bit tough for me this week and just kind of thinking about how I was gonna approach it because um it's it's kind of strange for me to be up here and preaching and like Jermaine, my brother is here, like front row, awesome. But normally in this spot, you usually have Ingrid. It's really weird, no offense, Jay, you're you're still good. <laughs> it's still good. But um I normally have Ingrid and it was uh last week was kind of tough for me. I still like I remember the first time I met Ingrid, I remember what I was wearing. <laughs> all like in my brain and um during her testimony last week god forgive me i stopped listening i just kind of zoned out you know like when someone's talking and then your mind just kind of goes fuzzy and then even like during the prayer i tried to pray but my mind was going fuzzy because i was like right she's actually going like this is real like <laughs> you know i tried to lie to myself like it wasn't happening i said a quick goodbye last week because i don't want to linger but like in my head i was kind of just standing there going Actually, going, This is this is real. No more Ingrid. And then I started thinking, okay, so who's going to be my next spiritual mom? Awesome. So I started scanning church, going, do, 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 Terminator style. And then I really felt God go, No, it's time to, it's time to grow up. What? Me? Anyone who knows me, I'm I am really not very mature. People saw me this. Oh, Becca's like, No. <laughs> saw me messing around with her phone this morning. I like walking past and just tapping it out of her hand. It's so much fun. The other day, <laughs> I don't know if you saw on Facebook, I got a new phone, and I realized I can control the TV using my phone. So while <laughs> so she was watching TV, because we've got a, a Chromecast, I realized I can pause and mute it whilst I'm upstairs. Hilarious. I'm not, no word of a lie, I was upstairs for like two hours messing around while she was watching TV. I was meant to be working. <laughs> I was like, this thing come off on my phone. I came downstairs, went to watch, oh, Becca's like, oh, there's something wrong with the TV. The, the volume keeps cutting out. It just keeps pausing randomly. I don't know what's wrong with it. Too soon? Too soon. All right, so, <laughs> I just thought, oh, wow. I, I'm just really not very mature. I'm so immature. They sent me to youth camp last uh, last week with Mamori and, and Chloe and Archie just so I could get extra administration. I am not very mature. I'm not. <laughs> and yet I just started thinking, well, well, this is it. This is my time to kind of, you know, grow up and start doing adult things. I know some of you are looking at me like I IO, uh, you're 28, get a life. I know, however, those of you who know me, I'm, I'm a teacher. I obsess about my age quite a bit because children make me feel very old. And I like to try and feel relatively young, but I finally got to a point in like, is this the time where I actually have to start like being an adult? adult, I could lie to myself before but is this time to start being an adult adult? At 25, I had a quarter-life crisis. I was like, 25, this is a real adult age. I can't lie and say I'm a young adult anymore. 25, you're a real adult now. And now I started thinking, well, is this the time for me to kind of step up and be a mentor to someone else? <sighs> pressure, pressure. Because I started, I just kind of sat there and thought, This is all whilst everyone's praying for Ingrid and having a really spiritual Um, moment. I'm just having an existential crisis at the back. Just just kind of going, well, what if I get it wrong? What if I get it wrong? Like, you know, the people who like do mentorship and counseling, when they say something, doesn't it feel like, yeah, that's solid. They could say, you know, bread has no crust and you will just believe it. Like when they say it, they say it with authority. But I was worried, what if I say something and then get it wrong? It's not like I'm just Io, I'm not Barry, who probably came out of the room kicking a football and counseling people. <laughs> However, <laughs> Linda's laughing, no objection. So, <laughs> but I'm just Io, I'm really, I'd like to think that I'd be able to be that kind of person that carries weight and be able to speak with authority all the time. But sometimes, I, I worry sometimes, like what if I get it wrong? What happens? What if I say someone to go left and God said, go right. Whoops, sorry. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I sing the wrong song? What if I preach the wrong preach on Sunday whilst Barry is not here? Oh, we'll see how this one goes. (laughs) And I try to, I want to be that kind of person that goes, I actually live my life with no regrets. I just constantly believe in God and I just walk in favour all of the time. I want to be that guy. In fact, I have probably lied in my life at some point and said, I don't live my life with regret." Trying to minister to people at church. <laughs> actually, I believe in Jesus. I don't have regrets. I really want to be that guy all of the time. However, it's not always... I feel like I don't always walk in the reality of that. Like, I'm sure... How many of you have had a decision... That you've made, and then a couple of months later, you're gone. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, everyone. Yeah, this is not just me. Thank you. Otherwise, this is going to be a really awkward preach. So it's not just me. Like even like some of you know, I changed my job in January, and um, it was awesome. And uh, about a couple of months ago, Barry sat me down. I was like, "Do you regret the decision that you've made?" Context. There's <laughs> there's been some uh, slight public management issues with the school that i had been working at. So he was like, well, do you regret the decision that you made? <sighs> also, what Barry didn't know was that I'd recently watched the preach and I finished the preach by thinking, if i had watched that preach six months ago, I wouldn't have moved schools. The way I fought with God that day, what? I was like, Lord, where was this preach six months ago? I would still be back in my old school. wouldn't we be having to deal with X, Y, Z. I'd still be there. I was literally like looking up the timestamp of when the preach was released. Did I miss the preach before I sent in my application? I was like, God, why? God, why? Why, 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 why? Because I started second-guessing myself and kind of thinking, do I have regrets about the decision that I've made? And whilst I was having this argument with myself, God reminded me, you know what? Yes, if you'd heard this six months ago, you probably would have moved. However... Do you remember the prayer that you prayed when you had the interview? So in October, I applied for a new job, and I was just like, "Well, I, I literally was sitting in the uh, in the waiting room in the reception of the school, and it was one of those things where I, I wanted the job, but I was trying to, you know, when you tell yourself to like relax, calm down, don't don't get too happy." And then I started looking side to side, one person was like definitely 10 years older than me. So I was like, raw, okay, how much experience does he have? Then two people who work inside the school walked out. They're also interviewing for the same school. I was like, God, I don't even need this job to be honest. Uh, But I literally sat in the reception, I was like, Lord, genuinely I'm content. However, if you want me to move schools, swing the door wide open, make it so apparent. So what did God do? I applied for one job, they offered me two. I was like, wow, okay, okay, we're ready, we're cooking with gas. Went into all the school, and then all of this happened. And ultimately, because I, even though everything happened, I remembered back to that initial prayer, and I'm able to say, I know that I know that I know that I know that I'm where God needs me to be. Because of my faith, that's able to fly in the face of the what if everyone's got those oh, but what if i what if this what if this happens what if i need to do that what if i go left and god needs me to go right what if i what if i you know what if i need to uh, go and speak to that girl and but i don't speak to her and then you know she's never in church again what what if i do this what if i do this wrong what if i say the wrong thing what if what that person needs is not. Not what I specifically say. However, if you're constantly walking in faith, that God has got your back. Covered? I've preached it before. God is good. God does good. And God is able to make all things good. Amen? So in every situation, use your faith to be able to say, you know what? God's got this. Your faith will always fly in the face of your what if. Or your, I wish I didn't. Your faith will always fly in the face of that. I learned this at uh, Brave Age. I told you I needed ministry at Brave Age. But I can. But (laughs) I really like this line at the back. Um, I was sitting at the back and someone said that um, bravery doesn't require you to be certain. It just requires you to have faith. Isn't that awesome? It doesn't require you to know exactly how things are going to pan out. But to... To look in the face of uncertainty requires you to have faith. To be bold in that requires you to have faith. Amen? Oh, so (sighs) Thank you. All right, so, in in light of that, I always wanted to make sure that I was constantly living my life based on one of my uh, favorite verses, which is Psalm 34, verse 5, which says... Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never, never covered with shame. Through every situation, as long as I'm looking at God, I'm never going to be covered with shame. Even if the world might look at me and think, oh, I, you've made the wrong decision there. If I'm looking at God constantly through all of it, my face is going to be radiant. Because it's really, it would be really easy for me to, after I make a wrong decision to go, I can't believe this. Why did I do that? However, if I'm constantly looking to God and where he wants me to be, he, I'm always going to reflect his glory. My face is always going to be radiant. I'm never going to be covered with shame. I want to be able to, in every situation in my life, constantly be looking at God to reflect his glory always to all those around me so that I'm never covered with shame. Even though when people might look at me and go, oh, I bet you regret that. No, I'm good. I'm good. Like, uh, I told the worship team this uh, recently that I applied for a promotion, another one. (laughs) And um, it was, again, it was another job that I thought, "Mm, I thought I could do it, but I just thought, there's me and two other people at work going for it. So I was like, hey, what the heck? (laughs) Me, I love interviews. Anyone knows me, I love interviews. I get so happy. Like, the application form, I get so bored of all, but an interview, I am there, I'm ready. Like, oh man, I so I start writing down questions. I'm that really annoying person that you interview that has about 25 minutes of questions afterwards. Hmm, let me see if this place is right for me. I just wanted to, I'm that guy, <laughs> I am that guy. So I i get so happy. So there was the t- other two people that I was applying for the job for, you know, I did, I really didn't want it to be awkward at work. So I made sure I went out of my way to speak to them. I went, I'm applying for this job, at you, yeah. Let's work together. Let's work together on our applications. Let's make sure that we build each other up to be the best versions of ourselves in this interview. And people were looking at me like, what? What are you doing? Why are you helping? I was like, no, 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 I'm reflecting Jesus. So I'm gonna go out of my way constantly. I was giving them questions. I was like, come on, if they ask you this, make sure you say that. And everyone was like, oh, you must be really confident that you're gonna get this job. I'm not gonna lie, slightly confident. But (laughs) But I was like, yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter, I'm gonna help. I'm going to do what I can do to reflect Jesus. So, what happened? Did not get the job, obviously. So I was like, hmm, okay. Fine. And take nothing away from the girl who got it, because she's absolutely amazing. She's an awesome teacher, and she definitely deserves it. And I was content. In the moment, you know when they go, oh, well, and they sit you down, well, unfortunately, your heart drops. But, you know, (laughs) you don't want to look too salty, so you're like, please, no, 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 you made the right choice. <laughs> and I was content. I was actually, I was genuinely fine with it. Until, you know, they started asking, oh, do you want some feedback? Okay, whatever. I'm good. So, she was like, my boss was like, well, your interview was really amazing. I know! I was there. <laughs> your interview was so good. However, Um, The other girl just showed, she did X, Y, and Z. And she showed that she could do that interview. In my head, I was thinking, I know how to do X. I know how to do Y. I know how to do Z. What's the issue here? But however, I didn't want to screw my face, so I was still there like this. Do you need any more elaboration, Aya? No, no, I'm good. I'm good, I'm just gonna go? No, don't worry about it. Because I didn't want to kind of get overwhelmed with how I felt at that moment because I wanted to keep my face going. So, I thought, bye, thank you, whatever, I trust your decision. I'm gonna go to the staff room. Dumbest thing ever, get to the staff room. Oh my gosh. Ayo, did you get it? No. Two things. Oh, you right. Are you okay? I'm fine. No, but are you really all right? <laughs> Take me out my word, leave me alone. I said, I'm okay. I said, look, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So, walked away from them, other people. I told you not to help those other two people when you were doing the interview. I told you not to give them advice. What are you doing that for? I told you not to say that in the interview. What did you say that for? And I was like, look, I was happy with with helping them. And I know, I knew I said what I wanted to in the interview. I don't need to listen to you. So what did I do? I walked out of work. I was like, see you later. Bye. (laughs) Signed out, went for a walk. I need this to clear my head. And I was just like, Lord, you know what? I know that I did everything that you wanted me to do in that moment. And I said everything perfectly because I'm so amazing at interviews. But (laughs) I said everything that I needed to say in that interview. So, Lord, thank you for whatever you saved me from and whatever you saved me for. Thank you for whatever you saved me from and whatever you saved me for. I'm gonna look to you and reflect your light at all times. I'm not gonna have any regret. I know my heart and where my heart was when I was doing those things. I'm not gonna use that as a point of regret. I'm not gonna let the world use that as a point of regret for me. I'm not, I'm gonna look forward to where you're calling me to. Because for all I know, that's really not the job that God wanted me to have. I definitely prayed it. I was like, God, if you don't want me to have it, lock it off. I don't need it. I really don't need it. So Lord, thank you for whatever you saved me from and whatever you saved me for. My faith will always stand in the face of regret. (laughs) When you remember constantly that God is good, God does good, and he's able to make all things good, there's no room for regret. There's no room for, for, what if I did this? Life is too short. I'm not gonna f fo- I'm not gonna focus on, well, what if I did this or what if I did that? I'm gonna focus on being able to say, well, this is exactly where God called me to be. Because faith like that requires discipline. Absolute discipline. To be militant. I had to remove myself from that situation so I could be diligent in my faith. And there's a preacher called Craig Rochelle in America, and he says, In life, you're guaranteed to experience pain. Wonderful, uplifting. Welcome to Kesso Church. In life, you're guaranteed to experience pain. However, you have a choice. Are you going to experience the pain of discipline, or are you gonna experience the pain of regret? To have that kind of faith can be painful sometimes, but I'd rather take the pain of discipline and constantly reflecting Jesus than to have the pain of regret and holding on to that. It's so easy to get lost in terms of faith, in the face of uncertainty. I mean, Adam and Eve, I mean, case 101. Were they going to experience the pain of discipline or were they going to experience the pain of regret? And for them, I mean, they fully like saw God. He fully said it. I wish I could constantly hear from God. God said, don't do that. God said, go here. I wish I had that kind of clarity. And yet, they still allowed the whisper of the enemy to give them uncertainty and cloud their judgment. Even in the face of God, their faith wasn't enough to overcome uncertainty. So as a result, there wasn't enough discipline and they experienced the pain of regret. I want to be able to carry my faith constantly with such discipline, even in the face of almighty uncertainty, to the point that it baffles everyone else, I already confuse everyone anyway. But I want my faith to go above and beyond that. For example, um, in Daniel, so Daniel 3, verse four to six, with uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, where these were three scholars and um, basically, there was a proclamation throughout the land which said, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. But that stood directly in the face of what their God had called them to do. So in 16 to 20, I believe, um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown before, we thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Next bit is the best bit. But even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods, or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in the army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Even in the face of uncertainty. I'm like, all right, imagine being that confident. Yeah. I believe that God is going to hook me up right now. Even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to do what you say. I want that kind of faith. Even if he doesn't, even in glaring face of uncertainty, God could turn around and go, no, sorry, that's not what I said. I'm still going to serve him. I want that kind of faith that stands in the face of uncertainty. I want that kind of disciplined faith to build me up and say, you know what, I'm not not going to bend. I'm not going to fold. What like what if is not going to matter to me? In that moment, your faith needs to be able to overcome it. So I this is great. This is wonderful. Thank you so much for what you've said so far. I'm able to uh, overcome my what if. But what about the I wish I didn't? Anyone have a I wish I didn't? I have loads of those. Lords. The, I wish I didn't. All those things that you've done that we don't really like to talk about in church before you got saved. People only know me as I got saved and as I'm known in Jesus since I was 18 years old. We don't talk about the dark times before then. But sometimes people still carry it in their heart. And it's like a mill around their neck. So what does Paul say about this in Philippians 3? 12? Yeah. So he's talking to uh, the uh, city of Philippi. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which uh, Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me to heaven within Christ Jesus. Forgetting what's behind. Now the, co- the context of this is actually really cool. So Philippi, history. <laughs> Philippi is a uh, city that was set up um, by the father of Alexander the Great and it's an old military town. So you've got all these old soldiers living there and this is who Paul is writing to. Now all the old soldiers that lived there were involved in the, um, the civil war that was going on in the Roman Empire between Mark Antony and Octavius and Brutus. And Mark Antony and Octavius won, and as a result, and as and as a reward, he gave a lot of the ex-soldiers Philippi as a land to kind of settle him. However, the early Christians in Philippi felt, still felt really guilty about their ancestral past. They felt really they wanted to be able to move on and believe in Christ, but they felt so guilty about their history in terms of the Roman Empire that they found it quite difficult to move on. Hence why Paul had to write them this letter to say, look, I forget about what's behind, and I strain forward to what God has called me to. And Paul was in a unique position to be able to say this. My guy was in jail. He wrote this letter while he was in jail. And Paul, I mean, come on, he used to, he himself used to kill Christians. If anyone else has a reason to be ashamed, it's gonna be Paul. He was killing Christians. He was in jail preaching as a direct result of preaching Christ. <sighs> I hope my preaching is not so bad one day that I end up in jail. (laughs) What? That's why Barry's not here and I can preach what I want. (laughs) But imagine, like, imagine what must be going through your head if you're sitting in jail as a direct result of you preaching Christ. Knowing that your death is probably imminent. I'd like to think I wouldn't be sitting there without regret but I might be thinking, well maybe I shouldn't have said, God bless you to that one soldier. Maybe I mean someone else could have preached Christ to them. I could, you know I mean I'm Paul, you know. I could keep going and, you know, send Timothy to go and do some of the he's younger, he's fine, they'll leave him alone. I wish I wish I was I wish I was gonna be able to sit in that cell and say, I don't have any regrets. And even to be able to sit in that cell and not only not have regrets, but to encourage someone else about their ancestral past. Maybe you're someone in church who's not actually got many regrets. And God bless you for that. I'm really happy. Can you help the rest of us out? If you're someone who's actually got over some of the stuff that you're going through and you've got some ancestral stuff in the past that you've managed to get over or you've got some stuff in the past that you're ashamed of but you know what? God has led you through and you're able to look forward. Help help the rest of us out. Those Romans in Philippi weren't able to get over it by themselves. They needed encouragement from someone else who'd been through something just like them. I know we sometimes like to think all the stuff that we've gone through in our past is unique to us. Even like Becca and I, like, been married five years now and have, have, like, preached about some of the stuff that went on early in our marriage. And yet, we're still amazed to this day that how many other couples have come to us since and gone, yeah, we struggled with something similar. But people don't talk about it. And so people don't receive encouragement. So if you're someone who you feel like you have a regret over your past but and you've gotten over it, Tell your story. Tell your story. Help someone else along the road. Because the Romans absolutely, definitely needed that. They had no concept of what it meant to be able to just get over the past. It was holding them down. It wasn't like the Jews. The Jews had it solid. They had a specific day. They had one day in the entire year to get rid of all their sins. And it's called uh, Yom Kippur, which is actually September the 18th. This year, I know, it's coming up soon. So Yom Kippur is the most holy day in the Jewish calendar. Okay, so whereas the Romans didn't necessarily have a way to atone for the sins, the Jewish people had this on, lock since Leviticus, they had this on pat. Okay, so Yom Kippur is when, it's the holiest day of the year, it's the one day of the year that the priest, the high priest is able to go into the Holy of Holies and account for the sins of all of Israel. And what happens is, that the community brings two goats to the high priest, one's reserved for an offering, and one is called the Azazel, or the Azazel goat. And what the priest does is he puts his hand on the goat, and all the sins of Israel go on the goat, and they go, and they kick it out, send it into the wilderness. The Azazel goat is also known as the scapegoat, okay? So the scapegoat takes all the sins of Israel Sends it out, and after fasting for 24, 25 hours, in fact, the Jewish people are going, cool, we're set for another year. Awesome. And what, what, I was doing some research on this, what I actually found interesting was that it wasn't until about AD 70 that the uh, Jewish community finally thought, maybe we probably don't actually need to do the whole animal killing thing. We don't actually need to like put our hand on a goat pray over it, and then send it out. Maybe that's a bit extra. <laughs> they they actually decided, you know what? Prayer is enough. Praying for forgiveness once a year at Yom Kippur on the holiest day is enough. Thank God for that. However, there's still some Orthodox Jews that, like, no, nah, sorry, not enough. And they still like kill a chicken every year. I don't, scape chicken doesn't necessarily have the same ring to it, but you see where I'm going. So they kill the chicken every year, and they put all the sins of the family onto the chicken. Cake. It's not really sad to think that the church, the priest said, you're good. All you need to do is pray, you're covered. Nah, sorry, that's not enough. I need to kill a chicken. It's not enough. My, you don't understand the magnitude of my sin. I need to kill a chicken, then I'll be covered. How many times have you, have you thought, I'm going to pray for forgiveness to God, and thought, it's not enough? How sad. Where you go, Lord, I know I shouldn't have done this wrong. I'm really, really sorry. And you pray it out and you kind of get there and you feel like, ah, I really feel like it's not enough. And you still have that thing like weighing heavily on your heart. And the, <laughs> the beauty of Christianity is that Jesus is our Azazel. Jesus is our scapegoat. The sins of the world went on him. The sins of the world went on him. So we don't have to suffer. So don't let your sins undo the work that Jesus already did at the cross. There's no sin that is too great that wasn't overcome. Like you could have slapped your mom. I don't care. <laughs> there's, no, there's no sin too great that God didn't do, undo at the cross. I never want to be so arrogant to think that my sin can't be covered by Jesus' blood. I don't want to ever think that, oh, well, you know, I'm just not good enough to be covered. I want to know that I'm able to come to God and just pray that, you know what, I'm sorry. And I'm going to be able to repent and turn away. And as a result, be renewed in Jesus Christ. Amen. Cool. Amen what I really like about that uh, Philippians verse if we can have the message version up please Andy so um, this is Philippians three twelve to 16 but the message version he goes I'm not saying that I have all this together I have it made but I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me friends don't get me wrong By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where Jesus is beckoning onward to Jesus. and off I'm running, and I'm not turning back, so let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything that God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear you of your blurred vision. You'll see it yet, now that we're on the white track. Let's stay on it. I really love the imagery there. That sometimes your regret is able to blur your vision of where God is calling calling you to. It could be staring you right in the face, but because you're holding on to something, to a what if, or I wish I didn't, it blurs your vision of where God is calling you to. But God wants to clear your eyes. He wants to give you a clear vision of where you need to be going. No sin is greater than the work than of the cross. There's no point in holding on to it in terms of your ifs, and I, I, I wish I hadn't, because otherwise, then what's the point of Jesus if you're going to hold on to it? If you look at Romans 5:8, it says, uh, "But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, whilst we were still sinners." Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. He knows every sin, every mistake that you've ever committed. And the mistakes that you're going to make tomorrow, he knows about that. The mistake that you're going to make next week and a month from now, he knows about that. And yet he died for you anyway. I really feel that today God wants to use this as a moment for setting people free. From every what if that you've had in your life. Every I wish I didn't do that. That you may be holding on to. That this is your moment. Your Father is calling you to say, I want to clear your vision. I want to clear your vision and set you forward on the prize in Christ Jesus. This is not what I have for you, this is not my heart for you. Amen? Because those who look to the Lord, their faces are radiant and never covered with shame. So, can we rise to our feet and pray for it? So, with every eye closed, if you're someone here today who has an overwhelming sense of what ifs or I wish I didn't or how can God forgive me for that You just uh, signify by raising your hand so I can pray for you thank you thank you thank you keep your hands raised for me please and if you're near any of these people I'm just want you to put a hand on them put a hand on their shoulder and just pray for them for a sec I make sure that everyone's got an opportunity to be prayed for. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are our, our Azazel, our scapegoat. Lord, thank you that because we are found in you, Lord, there's no need for us to hold on to our regrets, Lord, That we're able to place them at the foot of the cross, Lord. Your word says that come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Lord. And I don't want to declare rest over these people here today, Father. Lord, that they're able to put it down at the foot of the cross and just be able to let go and move forward in you, Father, Lord. To keep their eyes on the prize, Lord, to be able to keep focused on you. Lord, that today is a day, that, that today will be a marker for these people. Lord, that they're able to use this as this. They know that this is the point that we're able to set forth on their journey, knowing that. Their eyes are directly on you, Lord, and that their eye, vision has been cleared. Lord, I want to speak against our unforgiveness of themselves. Lord, I want to speak against the words of people around them. I want to try and bring this up again and again, Lord. Help them be able to hold on to the fact that they are found new in you, Lord.